What's going on, y'all? It's your boy, Cool Colos here, and you are now tuning into a new episode of the Pro Black Blurred Kingdom Podcast. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about a hodgepodge of different topics that are going on or have been going on at least in the last three weeks or so that have gotten quite a bit of coverage and I want to kind of give my two cents on. So today I'm going to be talking about the Holly Bailey situation with the Little Mermaid and her getting a lot of backlash for playing Ariel. I want to talk about John Boyega and his statement about only dating black women. I want to talk about D.L. Hughley's comments about Queen Elizabeth and then give a little bit of background as well, too, on Queen Elizabeth, who just passed away. And then I want to talk about a black woman who was mad at a white man who was dating 50 different white women. So he basically quit his job to date 50 different white women, and he wanted to date one in each state. And I'm going to give a little bit of two cents towards the end about my opinions about being pro-black and sleeping white. Starting with the whole Halle Bailey situation, my feelings on her being Ariel are kind of a mixed bag, but I want to break it all down for you and why I would say it like that. On one hand, I think it's culturally accurate for a black woman to be a mermaid. I mean, think about it. You got Yamaya, the Yoruba goddess. It's clear that the origins of the Little Mermaid were a bleached inspiration from this African goddess. And you know, there are a lot of other inspirations too, such as Mami Wata, who was a water spirit that was known as the mother of the water in African folklore. So even if you look at the pictures of some of these gods and spirits, it's obvious that they are black women and they have a certain appearance to them that would suggest that they are water-bearing beings. And if you look at just the history of different TV shows like with comics and things that are more cartoony and things like that, you can tell that a lot of the the ways that they came up with these shows and the ways that they came up with these movies and such things in in media, in white comic media, and in regular white media as well too, you can tell that a lot of the things that they came up with were stolen or repainted based off of something that they got from African people or black people. And by the way, shout out to Neef Knight for putting me on game to some of these mermaid origins as well, too. I looked at one of her videos, and she kind of talked about Yamaya, the Yoruba goddess. So that's kind of how I first learned about it, and I did my own research. So if you haven't listened to her channel, by the way, it's on YouTube. It's called The Blackest Truth, and she spits quite a bit of facts and gives some interesting perspectives when it comes to understanding white supremacy and pro-blackness as well, too. So check that out if you can. Going back to the whole situation with Halle Bailey and the and the Ariel thing, the backlash to me is typical of the white supremacists, and it's really unsurprising. I mean, consider the idea that Camilla Cabello, a white Hispanic woman, played Cinderella and didn't get any real backlash for playing her. I mean, so much for the whole people of color ordeal allowing them to group us or group ourselves with the so-called brown people as if we have the same struggles for no good damn reason. I mean, think about it. A white Hispanic did not get the same energy as a black woman playing a character that was typically white. In both these instances, these were characters that were that originated as white characters. So Cinderella was originally a white character, and then Ariel was originally a white character. And now they have two people who are considered non-white, one being black and the other person being a quote-unquote white Hispanic. Neither one of them represents total whiteness. So Camilla didn't get the backlash that Halle Bailey got. 
So that's one thing to think about. Also, this is the same Camilla Cabello who was laughing when someone made a joke about Normani being a nigger. And then when she got called out about it, wanted to blame her racism on being a young and dumb kid. I mean, come on. The white supremacist troll media started a so-called boycott on social media where they have this hashtag going that says, not my Ariel trending. And it's over the fact that Ariel is black. To me, this is very similar to the uproar that started when white supremacist media rejected that beautiful sister, Anna Diop, who was playing Starfire in Titans. Those little white supremacist nerds who were probably laid up in their trailers boning their sisters were so upset that Starfire was a black woman and the excuse they tried to use was that Starfire is orange and not black. And to me, that's just kind of silly. Those white supremacist trolls would not have batted an eye if that actress that was set to play Starfire was white. And they do shit like that sometimes. They try to hide their white supremacy sometimes in bad faith rationalization. I mean, even if you look at a few of the old comics, Starfire, the superhero, although colored orange, has a lot of features that are similar to that of a sister. She's curvaceous. Her hair in some comics is coarse and kinky even. And she has full lips. There was even a depiction where someone split a pic of Anna Diop as Starfire and the comic Starfire and took their faces and, like I said, split them in half and put them side by side. And they looked pretty similar outside of the skin tone. Like, there weren't a whole lot of differences in the way that they actually looked. Even in the comics, Starfire has a brother who's named Ryander who's also known as Darkfire, and he's her younger brother who is a Tamarinian just like her. And in the pictures, he looks like a brother actually because he's orange and he seems to be sporting some locks and they're dark orange as well too. So to me, the Tamarinians as a race just seem like they may have been black because of their features and them being closer to the proximity of the sun as well too. Anyway, I don't want to get too off topic, but there are a boatload of similarities between Starfire, like the Starfire situation, and the Ariel situation. The point of all this, though, is we need to be clear that this is not surprising and we should not be trying to get white people to change their minds and hearts. I really think that this is overall an opportunity for Hallie Bailey to shine. I mean, she's got the voice. She's got the talent. She's got the look. And she's really got everything, all the materials that she needs to body that role. And, you know, I'm happy for any black person who seems to be doing something positive and doesn't go off the rail by doing something harmful to the community. And thus far, she has not done any of that. I mean, even if you look at her boyfriend, I mean, she's dating a young king in the YouTuber DDG. So, in my book, she's cool. But I think we also need to take a deeper look at some of the messages here and the problems with the initial showing of the whole Little Mermaid thing. One big similarity between Ariel and Starfire outside of the backlash that they got, which was racist backlash, however, is something that we as black folks have to take an L in championing. Both of these characters and the actresses that played them have subjected themselves to what I call the black carbon copy trope, or as many of you all would say, tokenism. And I talked about the carbon copy trope a while back, so if you want to go back and refer to that video, you can, but I explain how that works, but really it's it's simply tokenism, and it can be broken down into two categories. You got the carbon copy trope where you have mantle passing, and then you have the carbon copy trope where it's literally that person taking on a, like a race swap type of thing. So you're just swapping the race of the character. Mantle passing is passing it down to a black character when, like, the honor of having a certain mantle was originally from a white character. So a good example of that, again, would be 
Captain America, who was Steve Rogers and him passing the mantle down to Sam Wilson and him not being Captain America. That's a good example of mantle passing. Now, the original character televised Starfire and the character Ariel both were not black. And even in the character Starfire, it was obvious that her character was voiced by a white woman and her name was Hendon Walsh. I think that's how you say her name, Hendon Walsh. These characters were turned black for the sakes of the white supremacy entertainment media trying to crowbar so-called quote-unquote black representation into their TV shows and their movies. I mean, when the trailer came out, sisters romanticized the hell out of it and even showed little black baby girls pointing to the television excited to see Ariel was black. And don't get me wrong, one of the reasons why I got into the blurred media sector and really the writing sector in general was to make this a reality for kids so they can see themselves when they turn on the television. But all of this is not really organic and there's a lot of agenda pushing that needs to be discussed that's going on here. They love to follow this template in TV shows, create one black character who usually is a woman, by the way, especially if she is a standout or a breakout star. And then you don't put no other black characters on that show with that black character that you just created. So now you only have one black character who is basically the token of that show. And even if you have another black character, a lot of times they don't put them together. They'll end up putting that sister with a white man or the brother with a white woman. Think about it, though. Such is the case for many shows. And in these two, you have Starfire, who is with Dick Grayson, who is a white man, and is televised on screen. And then you have in The Little Mermaid, Ariel, whose love interest is Prince Eric, who is played by Jonah Haur King. So again, let's go over this. Starfire with Dick Grayson, who... Is, they're, they're booed up basically and in titans and they're showing this sister and this white dude and then now you got ariel whose love interest is prince eric so ariel is now played by halle bailey she's a black woman prince eric is played by a white man in a way though this is done to disrespect black men as well and that's kind of low-key. A lot of people aren't really peeping that and checking that out. And a lot of people certainly don't want to talk about it. But that's kind of going on as well, too. I mean, Disney especially is known for this type of thing. Consider the idea that they never have had a black prince. And that's on purpose. I mean, even think about Princess and the Frog and how they made Prince Naveen a white Hispanic and then tinted his skin to make you think he might be melanated when he's not. Even the actor who voiced Prince Naveen is not black. And then, you know, same deal in The Little Mermaid. There are no visible brothers in the movie. I mean, Sebastian the Crab is voiced by a brother, sure, but... We're not about to see him look like a human. He'll probably look like a talking crab as he did in the cartoon. And the love interest is still white. I also noticed the reluctance to make the cast all black when there are many black actors that could have played roles in this movie. I mean, think about the idea that if Ariel was black, all the sisters could have been black too. But no, Disney just had to use this as an opportunity to uphold the people of color agenda, to pander to an audience, to make them not believe they are these big time racists that they used to be anymore. This is a tactic used to keep folks buying into and supporting their work despite their evil anti-black history. If they support all types of people, no one can accuse them of being racist anymore. Yet your black representation is janky.
And you know, I saw this pic on Facebook that showed this rumor of of who the sisters were. And it showed that they were of different races, with some being Asian, some being white. And I think even Simone Ashley, who played Kate on Bridgerton, was on there. And I'm assuming she was a mermaid as well. And she's Indian. This makes no sense, y'all. And that would mean that there was only one explanation for it. That this is basic pandering at its finest. A facade created so that no one revolts against Disney or Little Mermaid because it seems so quote-unquote inclusive. But you know how asinine it would be to say, hey, we have a black woman who is related to a pure Asian by blood, a pure white woman by blood, a pure Indian woman by blood. That's absurd. That's absurd. Disney has also stated that in Little Mermaid, they had Melissa McCarthy casted as Ursula. Although, from my perspective, a better actress for that role would have either been Jill Scott, Queen Latifah, or even Loretta Devine. And then you got a man named Javier Bardem, who is playing King Triton, and he is a white Hispanic. Although, from my perspective, King Triton should also be black if Ariel is black herself. And I also think that all of those sisters, instead of making them a bunch of different races and a bunch of different colors, I think all of them should have been black. So now, I think that the only characters that are actually black outside of Ariel are Sebastian the Crab, but again, he's voiced by someone who's black, so he's kind of playing this pseudo-black trope role that I've talked about because you, he doesn't even appear as a black man. And then I think there's this new character, Queen Selena, who I'm assuming is going to be a replacement for Queen Athena. And, you know, I think one of the sisters, one of Ariel's sisters might have been black as well too, but again, like she's a blood sister with a fully white, person and a fully Asian person and all this other stuff and that's that's again that's very ridiculous if that's the case then there's some real swirling going on and it's once again a missed opportunity of course to create a black family dynamic so again you could have had Ariel with Prince Eric and he could have been black and you could have had Triton be black and you could have had him with a black woman in this Queen Selena character. So it could have been two black people together in that case as well, too. And see, my man, Marcus Bolden, and shout out to that brother, by the way. He's very, very thorough. And he comes on my post all the time, supports, shows some love, and he always has some great points that he always makes. I just wanted to shout him out for a second. He made a point that they couldn't put too many characters in The Little Mermaid and make them black because it would be too much of a win for black folks. And that's why they put in actors who would be more ideal for certain roles, like, you know, having a white person for Prince Eric or Ursula or whatever the case was. So his belief is that if you look at the, the casting, Sure, there could have been black people who would have been good for a lot of these roles that we're talking about. But the idea there was to only put maybe one or a few black people in visibly so that there's this idea of diversity that they're trying to portray. But it's not a real authentic black film at the end of the day. Now, let me talk about Cinderella for a second. I actually want to go back to my point I made about about Cinderella. Remember that movie with Brandy? And whatnot, where they had her as a black Cinderella. Even in that movie, they had Whitney Houston as the fairy godmother, Whoopi Goldberg as the queen, and, you know, the mother of the prince who came to sweep Cinderella off her feet. And then they had Victor Garber, a white man, playing the father. So, this movie is the perfect example of Walt Disney purposely excluding black men in their movies or sh or not being able to show them in a positive light. I mean, seriously, think about it. The prince was Asian. Filipino to be exact, but Asian. Can someone explain to me how in the fuck a black woman in Whoopi Goldberg's character 
and a white man in Victor Garber's character can birth an Asian man and then we somehow just sit there and eat it up and pretend like this dude is a mixed black man. They said that this is a mixed king. That's y'all's mixed king right there. The Filipino man. They went so far not to just push a black prince that they literally made an illogical race related swap. Like it just doesn't even make any damn sense. But I mean, they had other black characters in there too. And they did that for their own agenda. I mean, they had Whitney Houston's character in there as the fairy godmother. And she was basically the magical Negro. And, you know, of course, they had Whoopi Goldberg, whom we know is known to dabble into Sambo-esque behavior. And she was the poster child for interracial dating and that trope in Cinderella. I mean, you can't make any of this shit up, family. You got to open your eyes, though, and see how all of this, the this, this cycle, this, this thing that, that I'm talking about, we're still continuing to see it in 2022. That tells you something. You just got to keep your eyes peeled and you got to look out for these things. Now, let's talk about John Boyega for a second. So he was recently on Breakfast Club for an interview and dating came up. Now, mind you, I stopped watching The Breakfast Club a while ago for numerous reasons, but I had to go back and watch this episode when I heard about the backlash that my man was receiving. They had a conversation where John was checking Charlemagne to see if he had a black wife because he felt Charlemagne talked about his blackness quite often and wanted to see if Charlemagne really was walking the walk. They then got into this conversation about people who claim to be pro-black but sleep white and judging that, and I'll get into that a little bit later in the episode, but at some point, though, Charlemagne asked him if he'd been with a white woman, and he said in the past he had, but it wasn't really all that serious. And then at one point, Charlemagne made a joke, and he had said something like how, about bringing home a stormtrooper or something like that. And John kind of laughed about it, and then he said that he said this openly before, but he naturally liked his women black. He even went on further to say that he loved them because they are just fine as hell, and it's not even a political statement for him per se. Now, here's the thing. That statement that John made, it polarized people. And, you know, of course the sisters loved it, and they should. But a lot of people which really were mostly white supremacists, were outraged by this. I mean, let's be real. Since when have we gotten to a point in society where integration, <clears throat> excuse me, where integration and ultimately white supremacy have fucked us up so much that we take a black man saying he loves a black woman as a polarizing statement or an argument even? To me, that's some real king energy. That is that man's preference, and I stand with him on that. I, too, like my women black. I go home every day to a beautiful black woman who I love, cherish, and adore, and I couldn't be happier about that decision. I love black women, too, not just because we need each other but because they are literally the most beautiful women on the planet. And I'm just being totally honest. So John also made a comment about them having to be over 75% melanated. And I just got to say that I feel that brother 100%. Man, oh man. See, I don't care about the color, whether it be lemon, butterscotch, almond, caramel, dark chocolate, mocha. All skin tones are beautiful to me. And see... It's not even just how they look. I love the relatability and culture, how black women act, how they carry themselves, their vernacular, like the whole shebang. I love the whole shebang family. I mean, seriously, though, you have to respect and admire a black man, especially with all the temptations and badgering, browbeating, vitriol and everything that could come to him for having the courage to simply say that he is loyal to black women on a broadcast like the breakfast club that millions of people are watching 
And I mean, although some sisters love what he said, he did receive backlash from one mammified black woman who said this in quotes. John Boyega saying he dates only black women isn't a problem. Double standards are a problem. If a white actor said they only dated white women, many would not defend his right to have preferences. They would call him racist. The rules have to stay consistent. That's all. Okay. Now, sis. If you want to swirl and bed winch out here, just say that. <laughs> just say that. But all this goofy caping under the facade of playing devil's advocate makes you just look like a straight cool. First of all, let's get something straight. If a white man said he only wanted white women, I would say good. That's one less white man who won't fetishize our women just for the fuck of it. If that's his get up. I think that white men personally... I think that a white man personally is entitled to that preference, if I'm being honest. And really, all he is doing is being transparent enough to tell all of us who he is and what he likes. And I can get down with that. And I prefer him not to really kick it with our women. And I think that it gives an opportunity for brothers who may like the sister to be able to have a good relationship with her. And I wouldn't even call him a racist for feeling that way. But even if it was an act of racism, in my opinion, a black person showing loyalty to another black person of the opposite sex, that is not racism. If anything, it would be a action of unity in the face of everything and all the backlash and despite the conditions of slavery and further the white supremacist tactics such as integration. White people committing acts of racism is an initial offense and black people making what appears to be similar decisions is a reaction to the racism and is far from the same thing. That's like telling a rape victim he's just as bad as his rapist if he beats him back in order to neutralize him after being abused by him. You damn morons. Anyway, a lot of mayonnaise Twitter got upset when they heard this too. There were white women who were trying to throw shade and whatnot because he's not available to them. And some of them even saying stuff like, who is that? Who's John Boyega? Yada, yada. Like trying to, you know, just be funny, trying to be slick. And this one white man came at him and responded to John. And John responded actually to, to this man and in his comments. And, and the man said, but if a white celebrity turned around and said he only dates white girls, he'd be called racist. But it's okay for a black celebrity to say he only dates black people. Man, it just chaps your little mayonnaise-encrusted ass that you and people like you can have full access to every black person in every way. Shaking my head on that. I guess the idea of that is not racist in itself, now is it? Huh? <laughs> so anyway, John responded to this white dude and he said, when they talk about preferring brunettes or blondes, they're not talking about a wig. My preference is not a topic for debate. See, here y'all, I knew that there was some real king energy going on here. John brought up a pretty interesting point in my opinion and a marvelous counter argument. I have said this long ago before, and it kind of goes into the argument I have made in the past about colorism. Colorism is simply an offshot of racism, but when we examine it, it's clear the central issue here is a favoritism of lighter things over darker things. You have to ask yourself, why is this a thing? It all goes back to the idea of loving something more because it is further away from being black and hating something more because it's closer to being black. 
The reason why blonde hair and blue eyes were viewed as superior in the eugenics movement is because the idea of something being lighter was viewed as pure and morally good. That all stems from an anti-black hatred and it manifests even into things such as white men preferring blondes over brunettes. The brunette hair is dark and the blonde hair is light. But that will, you know, never be seen as a racial statement, of course. Now let's talk about your girl, Queen Elizabeth, for a second. Many of you all may or may not know this, but um, Queen Elizabeth died on September the 8th of 2022. And regardless of what any of you all who are listening to this who may disagree feel, the Queen's old raw chicken looking ass is getting pan seared in hell. Black Americans, for the most part, except your girl Viola, as I spoke about in another podcast, and your boy DL, who we will talk about in a minute, did not give a flying fuck about this woman's death. But you know, the actors and actresses in Hollywood really don't count any damn way because a lot of them say shit because they're trying to, you know, get that bread or the clout for doing the bidding of the white power structure. Think about it, though. DL even said, DL Hughley even said that he lost 70% of his money due to COVID in a Vlad TV video. So that's probably why he started randomly doing extra cooning and pushing that whole jab shit. Anyway, I, w- I won't jump the gun on that topic. I'll jump the gun. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that. Some blacks out in the diaspora don't mess with the queen either. But a lot were really putting the cape on for the queen, despite what her and her ancestry of royal mayonnaise did. The Nigerian president, and I hope I'm not going to butcher his name, Muhammad or Mahamuda Buhari, even put out a tweet about how sad he was that the queen passed and how she had a unique and wonderful 70-year reign and all this other shit. Bruh. This woman was connected to Britain and their 70-year resource evisceration and brutalization of Africa and really the whole world. And when I say the whole world, I mean these niggas at one point controlled 25% of the planet, not even just Africans, not even just humans, like, like actual resources and land. And here this goofy Negro is putting the cape on heavy for the queen. The British monarchy was really heavily involved in the slave trade, not to mention they are still taking resources from Africa to this day. Think about how the British monarchy even became as prosperous as they are. It was off the backs of slavery and colonization. I mean, these fuckers literally were the OG white supremacists, like literally the head honchos of anti-African white supremacy. And a lot of people, specifically white supremacists, love to allude to the fact that this queen did not have direct involvement with with this whole process and that she was an overseer of the end of the whole colonization thing. But the thing is, Britain still has economic control of these African countries and Caribbean countries too as well. Queen Elizabeth was the primary matriarch of the neo-colonialism of Africans. I mean, she inherited the shit they started, and she really could have stopped all of this stuff. But no, she continued the slaughter. She continued colonization. She continued incarceration. And so much more to these, these black people that were under her reign. You all have to realize those nations that are predominantly black aren't independent like many would like to think. And they do this by putting in their own flunkies who will do their bidding that look like us. Even Andrew Michael Holness, the president of Jamaica, announced they would have a series of activities and 12 days of mourning for the queen to honor her death. I mean, think about this. I'll be damned if I celebrate and honor someone who pillaged, raped, and stole from me 
if I have knowledge of what they've done. This is pathetic. This is asinine. And this is pitiful, family. Now let's talk about D.L. Hughley. So, D.L. Hughley made a video, and he was putting the cape on for the queen real heavy. And see, before I get into that, this, let me give my opinion on D.L. Hughley really quick. Have you ever met someone who gets glorified by people because they are quote-unquote blunt and they say what's on their mind without thinking but the person who is bluntly speaking is either saying a whole lot of nothing or they just have questionable ass morals and they do it all because it's for shock value if there was a term for what I just described this nigga DL's picture would be right there in the dictionary underneath that term. DL Hughley is what I would like to call a progressing coon. It's like he has stages. It started out with me thinking that he may or may not be on code because he would be doing all this pro-black talk and all this other stuff. and He then turned into this person who was just an asshole who just said whatever he wanted for attention and then at some point he just turned into somebody who was off code and he went from being kind of off code to just being fully off code it's like the more shit he did and said the more off code he got so anyway going back that, that's my opinion on him but going back this is what he said when he was interviewed by TMZ According to the video I saw and to and SandraRose.com, in quotations, I think that anybody that holds the idea that you can't be sad for anybody when they pass on, I think lacks a level of humanity. Hughley said black Twitter lacked coof for joking about someone's mother and grandmother. He also said, in quotations, I'm not a monarchist, but I can see, even if you ain't a queen. Somebody lost their grandmother and their mother. Somebody lost a dear family member. I think it shows the lack of humanity that we kind of seem to be in for these days. Man, the tap dancing and bootlicking is so heavy here, y'all. Here go this goofy Negro blaming black Twitter like we were the only one saying fuck the queen. The damn reporter in the video started talking about what black Twitter said about the queen and he just rolled with it. I mean, he just has a habit of speaking greasy on black folks. Hell, even when he tried to be on some wannabe pro-black shit, he always talks about some, some damn black and brown communities like who the fuck is this ambiguous brown that you talking about, bro? This is the same nigga that was cool with unvaccinated people dying or not enjoying certain freedoms. That's the most hypocritical shit I've ever seen. I mean, I can't with the bullshit as virtue signaling with coon sprinkles on top. This nigga knows damn well that we would... That, that he would feel that that he wouldn't feel that way if someone close to him was killed, raped, stolen from, and they had some clout and then passed away. He wouldn't big up that person for what they did. And he certainly wouldn't say, hey, have some humanity. This person died. They lost a a, a brother or a father or whoever. He wouldn't say all that. All I'm saying to y'all is to pay close attention to a man like D.L. Hughley, a celebrity who seemed like he was going down a path of pro-blackness, pro but ended up being a hypocritical disappointment. A man who will criticize his brothers and sisters like Bill Cosby or ignore the pristine information like those such as Riza Islam convey on the regular. And then we'll do that while showing grace empathy and respect to white folks like Dr. Fauci and Liam Nielsen who said 
that he wanted to kill a random innocent black man because he had a close friend who was supposedly raped by a black man. He even big up the queen. This is the type of man who greenlit people compromising their morals for money. And this right here is what I fear for Negroes who get into these higher positions. This is what I fear of them becoming. Now, let's talk about the dude who dated the 50 chicks in the different states. So there was this TikTok video of this white man, and his name was Matthew Wernick, who said he would quit his job to go on a date with 50 different women in each state and posted a picture of each of the women. Each of these women also happened to be white except the Michigan chick. And of course, my home state would be the one state that would have a black woman swirling. Way to go. Way to go, Michigan. Anyway, so this black woman who clearly likes to swirl, and that's her business if that's what she likes to do, was pissed about this shit. She was so pissed she made a reaction video to this. And her first point was criticizing the Hawaii girl who was white and kept saying, you not fun to play us, sir. You not fun to play us. Over and over again, like a hood rat who found Hellman's and got hooked. And she said this as if she's speaking for every black woman. Like, literally, who the fuck is us? You the only one who is mayonnaise struck, baby girl. Then she went on to talk about the white girl in New Mexico and said she looked like, well, and said she looked on the girl's Instagram and said she was actually from Long Island and not really New Mexico. And then she made a comment and said, sir, if you had a type, you really didn't have to go 50 states for that. I mean, look, y'all, this woman is so damn hooked on the Vienna. She went and stalked the damn New Mexico girl on her Instagram and found out where she lived at and all that shit. She even had the nerve to say, where is the seasoning? Now, I won't put the cape on for the white dude, but this is what I will say. This is a white man whose preference is dating white women for the most part. If that's the case, let him be. It's common for people of a certain race to be with someone else of their own race. That is perfectly normal. And I looked at this woman's profile and I just got to say, she may not be checking for brothers and all that, but brothers are definitely not checking for her ass either. <laughs> anyway, this is an example of a divestment diva trying to get Zaddy to check for her. I mean, seriously, this is extremely desperate. It kind of makes me sad, actually. Think about the criticism that a black man would get if he saw a white girl dating white men all over the world and black men being mad that she didn't consider rocking with a with, with a brother the sheer backlash would be out of this world and really would be justified too on a serious note though these are the types of women you have to keep a watchful eye out on and observe and i'm not saying that i know her life but a lot of these women will check for white men because they don't think black men are about anything. I have said before, a lot of black women divest because they really had a bad experience with a black man. And instead of just getting a better brother, they'll do anything to get a white man's attention. Think about what happened with Lauren Smith Fields. She was, remember, she was not concerned about us coloreds. Remember what she called us coloreds? Do y'all remember that? Then she got flewed out by this white dude she met on a dating app and ended up mysteriously dead. This woman in this video seems to have that level of desperation to even make a reaction video like that.
I mean, think about the desperation to stalk a white girl he posted a picture of who is on a whole nother social media platform just to criticize his dating choices. Because when she looked at this video, the video that the man did was on TikTok. So he went to the she went to the white girl's Instagram and her, and 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 stalked her to find her information to find out that she lived somewhere else. And she did all that just because he didn't want to date her big five head having ass. It's crazy to me. So anyway, I took a chapter out of her own playbook and I did some research on her myself. Apparently, this same woman got upset saying people were questioning her blackness. Honey, no one is questioning your blackness. It's the desperation for Zaddy that people like me are criticizing. And you know, what's weird about all this is this woman has the nerve to have a whole Twitter and Instagram that's used to address bigotry, anti-blackness, because I, I see she's talking about white people hating the Little Mermaid. And from the looks of it, she talks about LGBT rights. Then she turns around and shows some major off-coldness. And it's not necessarily just the fact that she has a heavy hankering for white dudes, but the desperation that she showed to be included in this white man's dating decisions. You got to watch women like this. Someone who will have things in their bio to make you think they're all about tackling racism. And they may even call themselves pro-black to a certain extent but then we'll turn around and do some goofy shit like what she did. Speaking of that, I feel the need to, to clear a few things up. I was chopping it up a while back with the homie Winifred. And shout out to that sister. She has a podcast too called Winifred. And it's and all the letters are spelled out and have dots in between. So do, capital W dot capital I dot capital N dot capital I dot capital F dot capital R dot capital E dot capital D. And y'all should check that out. It's a great podcast for black creatives who want to talk about black creativity, sharing stories, and conversations about different writing services. She's doing some good work, too. She's really trying to change the scope of the HR world at jobs to make it easier for blacks in the workplace. You should check her out and check out her book, The Toxic Job Playbook. Anyway. So her and I chopped it up on the Instagram live before, and we were talking about interracial dating a bit. And the question I asked her was, do you believe you can be pro-black and sleep white? After that conversation, we both agreed that you can't because of the nature of being pro-black. And I feel that I need to have this conversation because in 2022, people are still going back and forth about this argument for some reason. Now, I can only speak for myself and my views and not anyone else's. When it comes to dating interracially, I, I say interracially, when it comes to dating interracially, I personally don't have a problem with a black person making that decision. I wouldn't say that if a brother or sister did that, that they're not black anymore. And I wouldn't even really say that this person was off code even, as a matter of fact. Hell, I wouldn't even go as far to say that they don't care about black causes or empowerment at all. But saying that they are pro-black is something I certainly would not do. Pro-black to me means black first in all departments. It's a specific focus on taking care of and advocating for the needs of black people as a black person for progression, growth, and power. Looking out for our best interest, even when no one will, including some of our own. Choosing a non-black partner as a black person may still make you a black person, sure, but it certainly doesn't make you pro-black. 
The union of common cultures and identities in a relationship is very important and can thrive on understanding, cohesiveness, and eventually growth in the same path for black folks. And that's why I think it's ideal for the black woman and man to be together. If you choose to date outside your race, though, I'm not putting you down, especially if you are able to get that white person you kick it with to invest heavily in your blackness and embrace it outside of word salad and appropriation. I think you should be with a white person or other non-black person for the matter or for the idea that they like you for you and they embrace all parts of you. It shouldn't be by a means of escapism, self-hatred, fetishism, or white trophy syndrome. And when I mean by white trophy syndrome, I mean seeing a white person as a prize because they once were not accessible to you, but now they are due to racial sexual access. My hats actually go off to you if you're able to actually get them on code because I ain't really see anybody do that who's in an interracial relationship. And I've been seeing a trend of people getting offended by the comments that I've made about interracial dating. I even seen it on Instagram posts before people getting offended by what I had said. I'm not disrespecting you. I'm not criticizing you heavily for your choice to date outside your race. I'm not telling you you aren't black anymore. I'm simply saying that you aren't pro-black by definition and that should not make you upset. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, y'all, so that's the episode. I hope y'all enjoyed it. That covers my thoughts on some of the topics that have come up in recent. I'm going to have a lot more to come in the near future. Make sure to stay tuned. Make sure to check out all the other podcasts. Just so you all are aware, and I've said this on many social media sites at this point, I am doing a total of 50 episodes for the season. Once we hit episode 50, that will be it for this season, and you will not hear more episodes until season two. Hope you guys enjoy this once again, and I'll talk to y'all later. Peace.